Alright, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dosecki's Get a Dose, and we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios, 87737-GRIND. Alright, before I get into this uh, Coach Prime uh, take here, uh, we've got some Facebook Live checking in. Um... Let's see, got Adam Martinez checking in, says, Calvin, totally agree with you on the Astros and the scandal. Only four players remain from the 2017 team. Two are pitchers, and one of the pitchers is on the IL. Uh, yeah, Adam, I mean, look, again, I, I just feel that, you know, reg- I didn't look at it the way you're looking at it. I just look from the point of, look, history and scandal is always going to, in the sports world, is never going to always never go away. I'm just saying that because I know and I'm not saying there's a lot, but there are a portion of people. And I remember shortly after this was the, when this was all playing out in real time and even afterwards, especially, uh, you know, Dodgers fan base, whoever, Brad Sox, uh, just hate, just said, oh, well, that's the only reason why they won. No, not if you're talking seven trips. That That's all I say. It's the same thing I felt about Spygate. You know, there's some people we've been spending a lot of time talking about Bill. There's some people that think, you know, the spy gate with the Rams. Now, I will tell you that I've always subscribed that I think there's been a lot of people in the NFL that have videotaped practices or or sent spies. I think the situ- I've always believed the situation with Spygate and Bill, they just took it to the 10th power in regards of possibly uh, recording, allegedly, a walkthrough of the Rams. And I think when you look at the conspiracy theory, people look at that time. At that time, I think going to that game, um, and, and at that time, I wasn't even into handicapping lines like I do now. But if I remember, they were like a 12.5, 13-point underdog against that Rams team, greatest show on turf. Um, and they went out and won it. So you get all that speculation. People think, oh, well, they won because they taped other people. They walked through it. That's what, well, you look at the other five Super Bowls. How do you explain that? You know, um, that's just the that's how I've always looked at these particular things. What do you got? I think the first one is always the one that you have to because you, you have to question it, though. If, if, if it comes from scandal, whether it's taping practices or banging on trash cans, the first one you always have to kind of look at and you have to say, okay, but what butterfly effect, if, if, the, if the butterfly never lands and Bill Belichick never tapes practice or doesn't get in trouble for it, or they, or they don't win the Super Bowl, or rather, and the Astros don't win the World Series, if they don't win that one, okay, then you look at, well, what's the, the fruit of the, of the you know, poison tree at that point? Because you're talking about coaches that may or may not have been retained, players that may or may not have stayed because they're like, look, we're so close, but we've got to move this piece because we feel like we lost the World Series and we needed to add something else. So you start detracting, and that might get you a title the next year, but maybe it doesn't run off a streak of six Super Bowls for New England or uh, five for the San Antonio Spurs, uh, because you can look at, what, 1999, and correct me if I'm wrong, because, again, I was in elementary school, mm. but but uh, Tim Duncan in Orlando. All right. So was that before or after that season? And no, if, that was after. That was and years so later. and so. If you don't win the title in '99, 
then you say, okay, well, maybe can I can I really win here? Does Pop can retain his job and you know responsibilities at that point because he's not the goat well, those, at that point? Those are all valid points you bring up there. But what is the spy game like when you're talking about what if Tim leaves to Orlando? Those are fair. But when you're talking about allegedly videotaping, okay, but but go back uh, to go back to the the win over the Rams. It, Tom Brady had just taken over. Like they, if I'm not mistaken, Bledsoe was still on that roster. Yes, he was. So if Tom Brady doesn't become the Super Bowl champion, it's easier to go back to the guy who helped you to two AFC championship games. And Bledsoe, does that really set off this run of success? The the veterans on that team, does Corey Dillon come back the next year? You know, the, does a defense... You always have to go back to... It's, and that's why they say a butterfly flaps its wings and a building you know, collapses in, you know, on the other side of the world. I think, I mean, if you want to look at it like that, it's like half glass full, half empty. If you want to look at it through those lens, I mean, I guess that's your opinion. Fine. I look at it as like the old saying goes from Jay, only fake, only fake thugs can only pretend so long. If you, if you just solely basically won a Super Bowl because you knew the plays that were coming in or you this whatever, there's regardless what it changes the roster or maybe... Bledsoe's the starter, not Tom and all that. You don't run off that many division titles and that many Super Bowls if it was just about a, a walkthrough tape. I'm sorry. That's that's my whole point of the whole Astros thing and all that. You you can pinpoint it like, hey, hell yeah, if they really videotaped the Rams practice, whatever, that played a significant part into winning that Super Bowl. But if you get popped for that and busted for that and you get you know dealt with the way they did, drafted, whatever, and then you go on the next 15 years or so, because remember, just like the Spurs, there was a stretch that they didn't win there was a gap between Super Bowls for the Patriots for a while just like there was a gap between the Spurs and their championships a, a couple of them what I'm saying is if you do that there's no way you have that success going on if it was just about videotape I don't care if it means Bledsoe would have started another three years if it doesn't mean that well Tom would have maybe been trade. it doesn't matter I just feel the success because remember with Bill they were a lot of people from that time if you really think about it you know the there's two things i've always said there's a lot of people that feel that that cleveland team that bill was coaching before they moved before art modell moved the team with nick saban as the defensive coordinator scott pioli in the in the in the front office man genie as a damn video recorded at that time that staff right there a lot of people feel football historians they were getting ready to go on a run now not necessarily no six seven super bowl titles but he was about to be building what his philosophy was then now i've never said i've subscribed to that the one that i've subscribed to is i believe that jimmy johnson and that as much as i can't stand the cowboys i've always said if jimmy johnson if ego doesn't get in the way with jerry and you're talking about troy aikman you're talking about the non-salary salary cap era for one at that time dude didn't have a salary cap during that time and you're talking about michael urban troy aikman emmett and some of those lines I believe, and I've heard Troy say this, and I've heard, and I've kind of said, well, I kind of agree with that. That was that was probably going to be the Patriots run before the Patriots. Jimmy and Dallas and that crew, I don't know if it would have been seven, but they were about to run off about four out of five, three out of four, four out of six. So to me, I just to bring it back full circle, I just feel based off of going back to Adam Martinez's Facebook uh, live uh, post. It's kind of with the Astros. I just think that if you solidify it with another one 
and everything, that means you were legit. It's no, We can take it even a step further. Take it to the steroids with Barry Bonds. If you look at Barry Bonds' numbers pre to the whole Balco investigation and allegedly losing steroids, he was going to be a Hall of Famer off of those numbers. What do you mean, home run king? I don't know, but he was going to be in Cooperstown. He was going to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he'd been – I'm assuming, because I've always said, first of all, without injury, King Griffey Jr. would have been the home run king. He, he just – I don't know what snake bitten him, but when his ass left Seattle, it was bad juju when he went back home to play for his father's team with the Cincinnati Reds. Back injuries, shoulder injuries. If it wasn't for that, Ken had the best swing I've seen in my lifetime. He would have had the home run. Somebody would have been passing Ken Griffey the Jr., but it is what it is. I don't know about the home run King Jones. I would like to think possibly, but he was going to be a Hall of Famer. Steroids was one of those things that maybe just maybe prolonged it or whatever, but I've never been a, subscri- a subscription that steroids made Barry Bonds. Steroids made Alex Rodriguez. These are guys that were just, I believe, was so competitive and it wasn't outlawed at the time. was like, hey, we got to compete on a, a, a playing field. Imagine if you were Barry Bonds, man, at that time, and you're sitting back, and every time you come home, you're turning on the TV, and you see the sports center leading in with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, and all everybody's basically talking about is the long ball, and you know that basically you're Barry Bonds. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa ain't a pimple on your ass in talent, and but you know what they're doing. You know what's going on. It's like, hell, man, join the party then. If y'all want to play this game, I can play it, and look what I can do. So bringing it full circle, I just think going to the bill and the spot. No, only fake thugs can pretend so long. If it's all about video, it's all about cheating. There ain't no way Bill would even be in arm's reach of Don Shula. There would be no multiple championships. Brady wouldn't be getting called the goat. It's a lot of that. That's just the way that's the way I feel. You know, eight, seven, seven, three, seven grind. Um, other question real quick before we go to the uh, Coach Prime take here on the Pac-12. Shelby T. James checking in. She says, do you think Jerry would take a minor step back and hire Bill Belichick? Well, I don't know what you mean by minor step back. I'm going to assume you mean like take a lesser role with the organization, maybe remove his GM title. Um, I would say even if he did do that, Bill Belichick is not working for a Jerry Jones. I mean, Bill Belichick, first of all, Jerry Jones – I've been through this whole cycle with Cowboy fans and, and, you know, people since the Jerry Jones on the team. I can go back to the Bill Cower. You know, Bill Cower's first three or four years with CBS, you know, when he retired from Pittsburgh. His name was rumored Dallas fans wanted Dallas and Jerry to go get Bill Cower. Bill Cower was – I said it back then. Bill Cower was never going to work for a guy like Jerry. The only reason why Bill Parcells took that job from Jerry and the only reason why Jerry gave it to him, because people have to realize before Bill Parcells showed up, it was bad. Like Dallas was going through an awful stretch. There was no Tony Romo. I mean, we're talking about Quincy Carter days. But prior to that, it was horrible. So therefore, Jerry needed that new stadium built. He needed it. He needed that was a marketing tool, basically hiring Bill Parcells. It saved him. Bill turned it around. He turned that roster around. He got it. That's what Bill does. That's why he's my goat. That's what he did. But the reality is Jerry Jones, Shelby, hasn't sniffed a coach even close to the resume of a Bill Belichick, a Bill guys like that. He's just not. And, you know, part of it is like, look, man, Jerry Jones, he said it out of his own mouth before. Jerry sacrificed the whole family's future generational future when he put up the money to buy the Dallas Cowboys. 
He took a risk. And I'm always going to be down with the guy who takes a risk that really takes on the limb to have a lot to lose. I'm always going to be down for the guy enjoying the fruits of his flavor. If he wants to run it that way, even though most football minds disagree, I disagree. Who's to tell him anything? Because at that time, they didn't have a list of people around the block in Arlington that was trying to buy the Dallas Cowboys at that time. Total different time than even close to we are now. Okay, it's a hell of a flip, though. I think Jerry bought that, if I can remember, it was about between 150, 180 million, I think, somewhere around there. Oh, my God. And just look, every year that thing pops up at the floor, that's a hell of a flip. You know, the, 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 it, it's, it still amazes me what we've done in America to make sports as lucrative as it is. And, and, and I say we, I mean the fans. The media, the people that love sports. I mean, this is this is a product. This is our fault. I mean, for the people that get mad at it, like, well, these athletes make too much money. When do they go? To, how do they pay this? Uh, because your ass keep buying tickets. You keep basically buying subscriptions. You keep tuning in with your eyeballs and watching sports. It's the number one form of entertainment in this country. That's why. It's just evolved over time, you know. 877-37-GRIND. All right, so Coach Prime, okay, was doing an interview with David Oven, I think, of The Athletic, and he was talking about the Pac-12. And Dion pretty much said that the Pac-12 scheduling late kickoff times are the dumbest thing ever. He said, quote, thank God we're not going to be in this conference. Sanders said, who makes these eight o'clock games? This is the dumbest thing ever. It's the stupidest thing ever in life. Who wants to stay up until eight o'clock for a darn game? What about the East Coast? Do they even care about ratings or anybody watching it? Um, like I said, going through the break, man, you know, a dollar short a day late. Um, Coach Prime's voice is I believe the voice that this conference needed probably five years ago, four to five years ago. While everybody knew, the not the commissioner that's there currently, but the previous commissioner was running this in the ground. When I say Coach Prime, is because a voice like that, that is moving the needle, and you have a dying conference, the commissioner of the conference is going to reach out to him and speak to him, not necessarily just because it's prime, but somebody that was moving the needle like coach prime is and somebody that was respected would have speak. Nobody, you know, media talking, radio head, local sports show guy. These are the rumblings that they've said. There's not a coach that I've heard that has shouted. And like we say on this show, say it with your chest out. And really ridicule the 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 Pac-12 for their late schedule. Because when you really think about it, and you think about Heisman candidates that are huge in college, you think about AP polls and coaches polls, you think about all those things that draw attention and draw dollars to your universities as a conference. If you put it simple as that, that is kind of dumb. 
for this whole year to do that because we've always heard about that's why on this particular show we've never really given too much stock in the AP the coaches poll because half these coaches are not paying attention to hell even the games that kick off at 11 12 2 15 2 30 let alone a Pac-12 game that's starting at 9 o'clock 9 15 central standard time and 10 o'clock on the east coast they're not paying it they're not staying up for that so that's the reason why when they put in these ballots, like, man, you ain't really watching them play. That's the perception out there. So to me, just from the standpoint of what it has done to restrict this conference from potential additional revenue and attention, to put it simply as Coach Prime did, it does make you wonder, you know, there's people that's paid seven figures to make these decisions. Why would you schedule games at late? Now, granted, I think, you know, um, you could be, I mean, there's some advantages in primetime, but I think if you're Pac-12, and it's too late now, that's why I say a dollar short and day late. If you would schedule your primetime games, if the conference would be going forward, which we know it's really not, but if you would be going forward, your primetime game should really be scheduled probably at a 6 o'clock Central Standard Time start at the latest, 7 o'clock East Coast. Starting at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock on the East Coast, that is pretty much just, just ridiculous. But who cares now? I mean, they're kicking ass this year, the Pac-12, all the quarterbacks, the top picks are coming out of the Pac-12, but unfortunately, they've just demised over the years, and everybody's going their own separate way. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro DeBell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to ChooseTiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing Spinning the One and Twos. Today's show was presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We have been broadcasting here 
from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And the last segment of the day is going to be sponsored by Zing Zang. Two words, a key to any perfect cocktail, and that is Zing Zang. Uh, make sure you try out all their pre-made alcoholic drinks. They come in all different flavors as well, too. But whatever you do, always remember to Zing Zang responsibly. That is Zing Zang, official sponsor of the sports grind. All right, so... Um, yeah, that's just my thoughts, uh, really, on, uh, you know, uh, Coach Prime and just the fact that whether it was him or somebody else, I think that's the voice of leadership from the coach's standpoint that I think should have spoke up a while back, five or six years ago, and that maybe could have changed things. Because I do think that is part of their struggles of really landing a lucrative TV contract or a TV network deal. And it just comes down to the viewership and where their games are scheduled. And, you know, that's just a tough sale, uh, you know, to the rest of the country unless you're a diehard fan of a Pac-12 team alumni or a degenerate. That's just the reality. What do you, what do you got? Well, it, it kind of still speaks, though, somewhat to the fact that the commissioner knew that he had Prime coming into this year. They were still negotiating over, what, over the spring and summer, even after Prime committed to Colorado to be head coach there because obviously he's gone through a whole transfer portal phase and everything like that cycle so they already knew they were going to have prime they knew the quarterbacks that they already had they knew about dj's transfer over from clemson you knew that you had bo Nix. you knew you had Shadur sanders coming in you knew you had the reigning champ uh reigning, reigning heisman winner and and caleb williams so it's just it, it is still baffling that it wasn't that the sell was still that difficult to get a good TV schedule this year or to get a partnership moving forward. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't think it was you know a dollar too short. Now it is. But the, the commissioner really could have done something. He could have projected, believed in his conference a little bit more earlier this year. I, I don't well, well, first of all, like I said, it's more fault of the previous commissioner than the current one. This Everybody knew that followed this type of stuff, knew that this current commissioner over the last couple of years were up against it. Um, I don't think they could have made changes this offseason to make it. These schedules are made years in advance in regards to who they're playing. And, then you, and, and again, the Pac-12, this has been a staple, even though it's a negative staple, it's been a staple of what they do. They've got late games, West Coast late games. Well, Steve, I think late, late games West or late games East Coast is like prime time in West Coast. Where their real target audience is. Well, right. No, meaning like if they – that's what I said. I think technically the, Pac, the Pac-12 primetime games technically should really start really about, I would say, 7 o'clock at the latest Central Standard Time, which makes a 5 o'clock start West Coast time. That's what it should be. That's what it should have been. And then you would be able to have more viewers on the East Coast in the Central Standard Time. What I'm telling you is I don't think like this is something that needed to be discussed years ago. And you needed a voice to bring it up there to get the commissioner to say, hey, let's come in. Just because you knew that you had Coach Prime coming to Colorado. And and I mean, nobody really knew too much of what these quarterbacks were really going to be until you really see them and the way the season's playing out and how good the team's going to be. I think to make a drastic change in regards to saying, OK, nobody in the Pac-12 is paying pass five o'clock you know west coast time this year they couldn't have done that to get this season they couldn't have made it switch that quick 
No. I, this is something that I think over time that if it would have been complained about, if you would have had a coach or somebody that had some backing like a Coach Prime speak publicly about this and really be blunt about it, I think it would have basically garnered some talks behind the scenes with it. It's too late now. And I think even last coming into this season, it would have been too late. I mean, Pac-12 has had their re- – and I'm pretty sure if you somebody goes and interviews the former commissioner, and then they'll, they'll sell you and give you reasons why they have to have those games scheduled and all that. And I understand it. Well, what about the people on the West Coast? You mean to tell me that I've got to be – well, if it's a Saturday – or Thursday. I mean, it's not most of these games on college football are played on Friday and Saturdays anyway. So you can't use, well, I'm still at work. I get off and I'm not even off at five o'clock. Well, that's not an excuse. I just thought it was it was bluntly honest conversations that I know that I've had on this show for over years and I've heard other people have these talks. It was just it was just bluntly hit me in the face that a coach has really that's in the Pac-12 it, it didn't necessarily had to be Dion. it could have been anybody to just call it out what it is that it was just dumb if you really break it down in that simple but anyway uh moving on um what else have we got here that I want to we got some other uh kind of some updated news we can circle back uh to the NFL one thing that's coming down to the wire um we've got um Denver Broncos tight end uh Dolich is going to be activated. Uh, he's been on IR uh, for the last probably four to six weeks. Uh, Greg Dolich, he's, you know, the tight end out of UCLA, was one of their bright spots offensively um, last year in the midst of how horribly they were offensively. Um, I don't know how much action he will see tonight, but he's active. The one thing I've been waiting for for Greg Dolich to see what would be the difference if he came back was really how much this would even help Russ Moore in that safety valve and that tight end because a guy that can get, you know, for those check downs and get separation because whether it's the red zone, you know, second half or what have you, defenses that have good corners, Russ has played a lot better than he has last year. This is, you know, one in four is not on Russ. But the reality, though, is there's been some games, especially the last games in the Jets, there's still a trust issue with Russ and some of these receivers. And I think, you know, Troutman or whatever the tight end that Sean brought up, he's just too slow. I mean, Greg Dolich, unfortunately, he has health issues. He hasn't been able to stay healthy since he got drafted out of UCLA. It's And it's constantly this hamstring situation. But if he can stay healthy... You know, that's one piece that I think that can even help Russell Wilson even more when you get in those situations and the line is kind of trying to hold up and Russ is getting antsy feet. Then you have a guy, Greg Dolich, that you can hit as a tight end and get some separation and a safety valve. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of um, participation Greg Dolich is going to have. I know he's been practicing for the last week or so. They've been slowly bringing him uh, you know, back. And another surprising thing to me as well, too, I'm kind of surprised that Javante Williams is active uh, tonight to play. You know, I know Sean said in his press conference yesterday that, hey, if this was a playoff game or if last week was the Jets, he probably would have went. But we want to be more you know, cautious. And then you see the production that JaVale McLaughlin is getting over the last few weeks, which me personally, I mean, JaVale, uh, excuse me, uh, Javante Williams is, he's not there yet. Uh, his burst is not there. And he shouldn't be. I mean, he's really a little bit over a calendar year from, you know, having two major ligaments torn in his knee. Uh, but the reality is, I think JaVale McLaughlin has earned the right 
to probably get at least half or a majority of the of the carries just because of his explosiveness. And him and Marvin Mims have been two of the bright spots on this team. But this this is probably going to be the – I mean, I should have came in all black with my Denver black hat because tonight could be a situation where we're burying the past in Colorado and this losing regime and we're going to clean house and go in a different direction. But I didn't do that. Because I said, hey, you know what? It's a Thursday night game. Because I always believe this, you know, because I give AC. AC gives me crap all the time. Like, she's already like, oh, you got your different stuff. I'm like, yeah, because I believe, like, if you really back something and you're really a fan and, and you know, like, I, I get professional takes on here for three hours a day and sometimes, you know, I'll get the fandom in me. But at the end of the day, you stand by your squad. I've always had a rule. You stand by your squad when it's down and out. Those are diehard fans. I mean, regard, I kill AC all the time. Like, when's the last time you walked out of the house with anything with a horseshoe on it? See, to, to me, you, you got to be, you, if you're in, you got to be in. These are the tough times that basically make it sweeter when it gets turned around. So it's no, that, that's just a little free lesson there. It's no need to, uh, you know, duck and hide. Uh, but we'll see exactly what takes place. Uh, tonight as well and and speaking of the NFL some other injury news um, you're telling me on the Deshaun Watson watch that we've been uh, looking at this is another day that you're telling me that he didn't practice uh, today as well yeah another day no practice Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, by reports that I've seen uh, taking first team reps PJ Walker uh, who I said you know he had taken some first team uh, is in line for uh, he's been taking second team reps so Looks like we might see DTR again, uh, this time against Kyle Shanahan and those Niners. I uh, saw a fun fact floating around that uh, Jim Schwartz is, uh, or Kyle, I think that Kyle Shanahan is, I think, one and nine or two and eight over his last ten games against Schwartz mm. as a de- you know from a from a defensive coordinator right. to running an offense standpoint. Well, you know when you look, if there's at, anything to hang your hat on. If anything, you're Cleveland. Well, look. Deshaun doesn't play defense, okay? Um, and defensively, they should still they're they're still a favorable team in my opinion defensively. Now, this line opened up at five. I saw it yesterday as much as seven, and with that news circulating, that line has moved up to eight and a half now. Um, over the Cleveland Browns. That's a lot of points on the road. Uh, the total set at 37 uh, in regards to a defensive team such as Cleveland. Doubt it that that will make the foundation picks, but just an observation uh, on that. Um, but when you look at the college, and we'll get all to this tomorrow uh, and break down some games. I know tonight uh, you've got some college kicking off. you got SMU at East Carolina. Um, East Carolina is a bad football team program right now. And then you got West Virginia in our backyard at the University of Houston. Uh, they're coming in at a slight field goal favorite tonight. So you got two college games tonight. Speaking of that Colorado and Stanford game, like Jonas just alluded to me during the break, that game is tomorrow, uh, actually. So the uh, Colorado Buffaloes, they're in action hosting Stanford tomorrow. And that line is up to a 12 point line. Uh, some other games. Friday that, Night Lights. Friday, I told you, man, weeks ago. They're, the college is, you know, it used to be sacred. High school Fridays were left for high school, okay? Saturdays were for college. As soon as the NFL started pissing on territory on third, like on Friday, Saturday, holiday, college has slowly but surely, you know, kind of started. It used to be maybe one game 
on Fridays to get, and they would be like Mac games, Sun Belt games. Now, in the last couple of years, you've gotten some Power Fives that get great. They've got, let me see, one, two, three. They've got three games scheduled tomorrow. You've got Tulane in Memphis. You got Stanford at Colorado, which is a nine o'clock start. See, that's a nine o'clock start tomorrow night. This is why no wonder why Dion's talking about that this week. Tulane's a six o'clock start. Then you got Fresno State at Utah. So you got two power five teams getting it on tomorrow on a Friday, but here there or not. Uh, some of the games that we'll be looking into tomorrow on our football Friday, uh, Texas AM, you know, they're coming off another loss against Alabama. They're gonna be enrolled at Tennessee. That's an interesting game. Is this the weekend? Another loss? Does everything start unraveling for Jimbo? Do you start hearing those chatters? We'll look in the numbers in that game. Um also um what else? Of course, the obvious I've been talking about Oregon at Washington. Uh, that game is still sitting at a touch, uh, excuse me, at a field goal favorite for Washington. UCLA at Oregon State. Uh, what is another one we get? You know, one of the um, ones that also um, you got Tech, you got Kansas State at Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech is a slight one and a half favorite tomorrow at home. Uh, and then, of course, you got the 630 game between USC and Notre Dame, which to me, Notre Dame is a um, Notre Dame is a two point uh, favorite. Uh, that's that's something to look at in regards to being a, a two point favorite for Notre Dame. You think USC's, you know, undefeated. That's the game that might make the foundation card. Speaking of foundation, uh Jonas, you had told me that you had somewhat of an update in regards to foundation picks overall, kind of where we're at heading in tomorrow. Um, basically looking at, well, I think I know last week, the week before was horrible for me. I think last week I came off of Saturday uh, of a 2-0-1, and, and then Sunday was a 2-1 and one day, I believe, also. What are you? What is your records tally this up at right now? Yeah, you had a two and a push on Saturday and a two and one on Sunday. Brings your uh, NFL total ten and six on the season, uh, and uh, NCAA eight six and two. Those two being the pushes. You pushed Ohio State and Notre Dame earlier. So overall, you said eight six and two. So you're positive in both. That's the overall record. That's, That's your overall record eight, for the, six and through, uh, what, five mm. weeks of doing this? Mm. The one that really, yeah, the ones that really hurt you. You had two bad weekends there uh, where uh, Florida and LSU, you rode with them uh, three weeks yeah. back. And Iowa State earlier against uh, at Ohio, that was an embarrassing loss. Those and pushes. And then uh, yeah, those, the Purdue. Yeah, the, the, eight, the, if, you, if it wasn't for the pushes, and if you count the pushes as positive, then you'd be even at 10-6 and six in both NFL and NCAA. That would put you right around probably about the 54% mark, right 55. Well, yeah, well, it, I mean, it's, it's actually 60%, 60, 6 out of 10. True, yeah, 60. So right now with the pushes, it puts me probably at a percentage of I think, I think it's going to put you right around there. Yeah, well. We'll see what tomorrow and this weekend brings. Um, not too, too excited about the board. Uh, NFL is going to – one of the things about NFL, when you get to this point, speaking of that part of the you know industry, the handicapping and the lines and stuff, for you people that participate in that, when you normally get to about where we're at right now, especially by the time we get to week eight, 
um, almost at the halfway mark, you get the lines and the lines makers start getting tighter on these lines. They start getting, you'll start seeing a little bit more double digit lines, especially when you're talking about teams like the Giants, who are two touchdown underdogs this weekend. Um, you know, you'll see Carolina, which is also, you, you'll start seeing more. And that's why tonight, um, you know, which this line, and I'm trying to look at this because with the Kelsey news, because we talked about, it, I mean, this has been steady pretty much all week in regards to the line tonight. It's been at about 10 and a half. And now I'm seeing of now it's just jumped up to 11. Um, man, that is a lot of points for a division game. That just lets you know how horrible um, that the Denver's defense is. But a little fun fact, because I went back and looked at this. Um, Patrick Mahomes, first of all, Denver hasn't won a game in this series since Patrick Mahomes was still at Texas Tech. That's number one. Okay, that's how long it's been since Denver's beat Kansas City. Number two, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have a good record ATS in some of these, not just since Denver, but these double-digit spreads. If you go look at it, Kansas City hasn't covered a lot of these double-digit spreads that they've been. I'm just, that's just a food for thought. Not saying that they're not going to cover tonight, but I will tell you just from an in-division standpoint, that is a lot of lot. That's a lot of points for a division game. I don't care how bad a particular team is, and this right now the Denver Broncos. Um, they're a bad, t- especially second half team. Now, I will tell you, if you participate in stuff like that, if you were leaning on the side of that, you might want to look at Denver first half and first quarter, the way they have proven that they've started games and how good they are in the first half. Uh, you know, last time I checked, I think Kansas City's a three-and-a-half-point first quarter favorite, and they're a touchdown favorite in the first half. Uh, if you're going to do anything touching that game out there in those places where you're legally able to do that, I would pretty much proceed with caution of anything with the game. This might be one of those in-line games and live uh, wagering and maybe court and half type of games tonight with them. Are you going to add something, Jonas? Uh, yeah, t- tonight's game, many are believing, if you follow the Twitter sphere, uh, Bronco Nation, uh, that this could be Jerry Judy's last game in a Denver Broncos uniform. Uh, we have we talked with him yesterday. Destin Adams of ABC Sports covers the Colts. He's reporting that the Colts have called again on Jerry Judy. Uh, he's got three different trade scenarios. He proposes over there on his uh, on his site, ABC Sports, hmm. uh, worth checking out in terms of what the return for Denver could be. But last night, maybe for Jerry Judy, I could see it. It could be a last night for a lot of guys, uh, depending on what this game is. That's why I've been calling it all week. Maybe the fire sale come Friday, but we'll see how it plays out. That is a wrap for today. Special thanks to the producers of the show, Jonas Clark. All right. San Antonio, El Paso, Abilene, Lubbock, people up in the Maha City in Denver, Colorado, people up in Tyler, people down the whole 305 South Florida region, and my people down Laredo. When that alarm goes off tomorrow morning for you hit the snooze button for you out the rack, just ask yourself. You grind in peace. See you tomorrow. When life sounds too much like this, it's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York.
Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits, and world-class wine to chips, dips, and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind.